Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. I, it is my, my belief, and it's a cliche belief, but I'm just going to say it. Because just because something is a cliche, it doesn't make it less true, right? So I do believe from the bottom of my heart that when we come together to worship God, we leave this place changed. And I do believe that we're here not randomly. If you're visiting us for the first time, it's not a mistake. It just happened to be here. I believe God has brought us all in this place. And the message today is going to really transform our hearts and challenge our lives. This is my belief and this is what I hope. And I was praying this morning while I was coming on the bus. Say, God, I really pray for transformation in our lives as we hear uh, what you have to say to us. So we're in this series, uh, The King's Speech. And today I'm going to speak about uh, investing in eternity. We're going to look at some verses in Matthew 6. But the main one that will focus is Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. And it's important to start by saying that God is not against riches. Okay? If you grow up in a church where the preachers were telling you that money is sin or God is against it, it's wrong. Okay, God is not against riches. God is not against rich people. <laughs> and today I want to take us on a journey to understand God's heart. And I want us to take on a journey where we understand that Jesus is totally 100% for our joy. I mean, God is the creator of joy. And if we're smart and wise about it, if we want to live in that, that place of joy and happiness, we go to him because he invented joy. He created joy. And this is what this message is about. How can I get my heart to a place where I live in ultimate happiness and joy? Many have this wrong idea about God that he's this old, long-bearded, ancient alien force that looks down from wherever he lives and has this personal agenda against happiness. If you dare to be happy, bam, he'll smack you, stand a thunderbolt or something. But God is not like that. God created us in such a way that we will live happy and we will have joy. But the question is, how can we get to that place? How can we get there? When I was a child, I was going to this Orthodox church because uh, that's the environment I grew up in. And in my little understanding about God, I really sort of believed in Him. But the problem was that what I was experiencing with God and learning about God from the Bible was not reflected by the church building. I mean, I had to go there and look miserable. I had to be like, I was, I was equating piety, piety with sadness and misery. God will not listen to your prayers if you're not sad, if you don't cry, if you're like not the most miserable person in the world. You have to be a spiritual victim for God to look at you. That's what they were teaching me. But that's not God. I, I was miserable at pretending, I was, I was miserable at pretending that I'm miserable. I failed. I mean, I was a child. I didn't go through life yet. I was enjoying everything. And they had to go to church where everything had to be sober, dark, and like, no way. The church was more like a funeral service <laughs> than, than a place of joy. But God is for our joy. God wants us to live in a place of happiness. Yeah. 
And when we read a passage like the one in Matthew, like we just said, we will think that uh, this is the angry type of message where Jesus says, if you're rich, you're going to hell. But this is not like that. This is the be, be, be smart if you want to live in perfect joy type of, type of message. Jesus is teaching us how to be smart, to find joy and happiness. There was this joke I read, and the, a lawyer was reading out the will of a rich man to the people mentioned in the will. To you, my loving wife Rose, who stood by me in rough times, as well as good, I leave her the house and two million pounds. The lawyer continued, and to my daughter Jessica, who looked after me in sickness and kept the business going, I leave her the yacht and one million pounds and the business. The lawyer concluded, and to my cousin Dan, who hated me, argued with me, and thought that I would never mention him in my will, well, you're wrong. Hi, Dan. C.S. Lewis said, do not let your happiness depend on something you can lose. Don't let your happiness depend on something you can lose. And that's what my heart for all of us is today. Let's be smart and not let our happiness depend on something that we can lose. Why is that? And this is where Jesus brings the be smart message. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And it's like, okay, Jesus, but why? Why would you say something like that? Because he could have said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because I say so. Deal, deal with it. Take it or leave it. I am the Lord. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. Jesus brings the why and he brings the solution as well. Because while Jesus is pointing towards an issue, he doesn't just leave the issue there. He says, but this is what you need to do. He brings the why and the solution. And I personally believe that the difference between a great leader and a bossy boss is the word Why? Explain why you say this. Don't just give orders like that. And Jesus brings the why even before we ask the question. And he explains to us why he says these things. And one of the principles I intentionally try to live by is that when I say something or make a declaration or a statement, I'm ready to provide the why behind that statement. Or if I speak with someone, as it happens, like I speak with Pastor Mark at times, and I don't understand what he's saying. There was something about leadership. Someone says, like, it's okay. Sounds good, but I don't understand. Can you explain why you say this? And once you he, once he explain, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. You know, why solves loads of troubles? I'm just, just a little hint, okay? Why? But Jesus brings the why because he didn't want us to just think he's a mean God. Do what I tell you. Deal with it. My way or the highway. He says, why is this the right thing? And the answer is quite simple. Investing in treasures of this earth is not smart because anything that is finite in its essence, will either decay, be lost, or can be stolen. That's why it says, do not leave up for such treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The truth is that whatever we accumulate, whatever we save, whatever we gain, whatever we win, will not be taken with us. And this is just truth of life. Money, assets like houses or flats, and whatever else is described as a treasure in this world will not be taken with us. That's why Jesus describes worldly treasures as things that can be eaten by moths or can be stolen, stolen by uh, thieves. This is what it is. And during those times, you could understand if someone is rich because of the garment or the cloak that they were, they were wearing. Look at Joseph and other people. So Jesus says, brings this example of a moth that destroys garments. He says, like, whatever is treasure in this world can actually and will actually decay, be stolen, or be lost. It is just what happens. That's why he's like, you need to be smart about this. It's not like do not lay up for its treasures, but do it in a way that it works. 
Do it in a way that you will actually get to that place of having a fulfilled life. He actually says, in other words, invest your treasures, but do it investing it into heaven, in eternity. If you don't want to lose your treasure, you have to invest it in eternity. Therefore, you search treasures in heaven. Why? It's because moth cannot get there. Thieves cannot just knock on the gates of heaven if heaven has gates and then just rob God. You know, so my invest, my lifestyle, everything that I am, I'm investing in something that I cannot lose. Because you cannot lose that which is eternal. That's what the smartest way to do, to do is like invest in something that is eternal. And I'm reading Jesus' words and like, yeah, that makes sense, Jesus. I mean, he's not against my happiness. He's for my ultimate happiness. And the only way I can achieve this is by investing in something that is eternal. That's something that cannot be lost, something that cannot be stolen. And just to make it clear again. God is not against rich people. God is not against riches. God is not against you having money or assets. God is not against money either, okay? Let's make it clear. But if you accumulate, do it with purpose. If you have what you have, have a purpose behind all these things. A right attitude towards wealth is a mark of true spirituality. A right attitude behind wealth is a, true of, is a, is a sign of true spirituality. But then Jesus continues and presents to us the main idea of this text, which is not really money. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is not after your money. Jesus is after your heart. Because he wants to save our heart. He wants our heart to live in a perfect, joyful place in eternity. Jesus' desire for us is to find ultimate joy. And this is only possible when our heart lives in that place of ultimate joy. Martin Luther said, what a man loves, that is his God. For he carries it in his heart, he goes about it night and day, he sleeps and wakes with it, be it what it may, wealth or self, pleasure or renown. Now if my treasure is in this world, then my desires and my dreams and my time and everything will be rooted in this world. But if my treasure is in heaven, then my desires and affections will find their place in that ultimate joy in eternity. That's why Jesus says, guys, be smart about it. Invest your life, invest your treasure in heaven because your heart follows your treasure. And it starts with the treasure, not with the heart, as we're going to look. What is your treasure? Because that's what your heart is going to follow. If you desire a heart shaped by heaven, start investing in things that are not finite. Your time, your finances, your smarts, your abilities, your skills, your dreams, your desires. What if you invest all that in eternity? What if you invest all that in something that cannot be lost ever? And I don't know about you, but as I reflect on my life and the, the few years that I lived until now, is that, you know, in our life you don't go through ups and downs, it's just life. But I discovered that my heart, many times or all of the times, is, is like a roller coaster train or cart that goes like this as well. Because I'm living my life and then I'm investing my heart in relationships if it's romantic, if it's mother-father figures, if it's friendships, whatever. And then when they let me down, which they are, and they will, my heart goes down as well. When, when they're okay with me, my heart goes up as well. So my heart's joy is very dependent on the emotions I'm feeling from those relationships. This is what it happens. And then I remember when I was a young teenager, maybe around 15, this girl left me. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so she left me and it's funny now but I actually wanted to commit suicide after that 
It's like, it's like yeah, I know. And obviously I didn't because I'm here, you know. And no, I didn't resurrect from the dead either. So, <laughs> but I realized something. That my heart was so dependent on the relationship I had with her. That when I lost her, I almost lost myself. And that is not a healthy place to be, as you can imagine, okay? I tried reading books about how to heal a broken heart. I tried speaking with people, which helped at times. But what I actually discovered is that instead of focusing on my, the brokenness of my heart, I started focusing on the beauty of Jesus Christ. And that's what helped me ultimately. That's what gave me life, literally, in many ways. What if before trying to focus, to focus on our heart, we focus on the one who changes the heart? Before trying to heal your heart, focus on the healer. And this, this is how it has to go. Define who your treasure is. And then the rest will come on its own because God is for us and God is for our joy. My happiness was depending on something that I lost and I really almost lost myself as well. I was curious this week to find out what are the three most important things for people in life. So I went on the internet, on some online forums, and I just typed the question, what are the three most important things for people in life? And I read a few. And it's basically love, health, and then family with friends and finances. And after I read that, I remembered uh, when I was in Romania, I was in this bus. And then uh, in the bus, they had this screen where they usually show local and national news. And people will watch it or not. But at some point, everyone starts to look at that screen. And I'm like, okay, there's something important going on in that place as well. And then when I looked at the screen, there, were, there was the horoscope. And then people were looking at a heart, a heart which was love, a cross, which is health, and then money. And in that moment, I realized that what captured people's attentions is what they value in life. Love, health, and money. This is what people build their lives on. And I asked Rob to lend me, as I discovered today, Megan's Lego. I told Riz, oh, I got your Lego. So that's not mine. It's all right. <laughs> I, got, I got the message. He's a man. All right. So <laughs> the three things that people focus on and build their lives upon are health, money, and love. And this is just how we, let's say, by default function, okay? And this is our life. And we build our life on these three things. And this is us. It has my skin color, so I chose this one. <laughs> the thing is that as we move in life, many times we don't understand that these are the things we value. But moments come, <laughs> as we know, that we may lose one or the other. In my case, in that moment, I lost love, or whatever I define as love at 15. <laughs> and when I lost that, I literally almost lost myself as well. Because people collapse when they depend on something they can lose. And Jesus says, do not build your life on these things. They're not bad. <laughs> Obviously, I do find happiness in relationships. I do find happiness in the friendships I have. And when I have money and all that. Yes, but my life doesn't depend on this. And Jesus' message is, do not build your life on these things. Because you can lose them. It's just a simple truth. When this, those three items appeared on the screen, everyone's eyes focused on that. Because that's what people value in this life. Is your treasure eternal or finite? How is your treasure? Have you put your hope in something that you can ultimately lose? Or something that is ultimately decaying? And what I'm saying is what C.S. Lewis said, and I quoted it. Do not let your life depend on something you can lose. And again, don't get me wrong. Love, health, mind, they're, they're good. But they're gifts. They're gifts from God to us. Okay? We need to be good stewards of the relationships and finances we have. God has 
giving them as a gift to our lives, but invest your money, your energy, your time in your spouse, your children, your family, your church. This is what God has placed around you to really help you to become a better person. But do not let your life totally depend on these things. What if your life depends on something or someone that is actually eternal and that cannot actually be lost, that is unshaken by time, by history? Is there such a person? And the answer is yes. Jesus Christ is that person. And the truth is this, what you worship changes your heart. What you worship changes your heart. And what you treasure shapes your lifestyle. What you worship will change your heart. And what you treasure will shape your lifestyle. Start with the end in mind. Start by understanding what is actually important for my life. Your belief about the future will shape your present lifestyle. What you believe that will happen in the future will shape the way you live your life at the moment and right now. There's this film uh, with Emma Watson, The Circle, which I actually recommend, especially parents and children, watch it together. It's very clean and very relevant. And in this film, Emma Watson gets this job at the company called The Circle. And at one of the company-wide meetings, Eamon Bailey, which is played by Tom Hanks, introduces Sea Change, which uses small cameras placed anywhere to provide real-time video. And Emma Watson expresses uh, the good of transparency. And then she decides in front of thousands of people that she will go fully transparent. So every time she's awake, she'll have this little camera with her and everyone will just see everything she's doing. That was sea change. And I want to ask and maybe challenge us, like, what would people say you believe about the future if they will see your lifestyle through a sea change camera? What would they say you believe that will happen in the future. Because what we treasure will shape our lifestyle. And the decisions we make, what we believe will really influence all that. You know very well about YOLO. You only live once. The motto of my generation. You only live once. This is all there is about life. Just live your life. Make the most of it. This is all, but this is not true. <laughs> you know what? You don't only live once. And this is scary for someone who believes they do. Because they will live their lifestyle according to you only live once. Because the truth is this, that one day, my body, as glorious and amazing it is now, <laughs> I take your laughter as an agreement. <laughs> the truth is that one day I will die. <laughs> one day our hearts will stop beating. And either even if you want it to happen or not, it will happen. And that's not something I came to the conclusion of and God revealed to me in my personal time. It's life. It's truth. If, if you don't want to die, it's, you cannot avoid. I cannot avoid. It's happening sooner or later. Even if I'm young, I still don't know when it will happen to me, though I hope I'll live many years. But the truth is I'm not in control of, of this. So you don't only live once, but you do live eternally. eternally. You only live eternally. That's why our hearts must follow something that is eternal. Our hearts must depend on, on a treasure that cannot be lost or stolen. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Tim Keller said, human beings are absolutely hope-shaped creatures. Human beings are absolutely hope-shaped creatures. And many of the people I know from Romania and probably from Eastern Europe, as well, they, they leave their countries and come to work in the US or the UK uh, and they go through like tough times. They sacrifice health, they sacrifice family for a while, they sacrifice identity, 
They, they prefer to be humiliated by people around just to provide a better future for those that they love. And their belief of a better future helps them or pushes them to go through these bad, bad moments at times. People in Macedonia, young people, their dream is to go to the United States or come to the United Kingdom to work. This is their dream. This is what they want to live for. And then they come and they realize that money don't grow in trees, which is another thing. But this is what they live for. And this is what many of my friends from Romania do. And they accept humiliation because they, they believe, they have this hope for a better future for those they love and for themselves as well. That's when future hopes, hope defines present circumstances as acceptable. What I hope will happen in the future will define my circumstances as acceptable. I'll go through anything just because I know that I will achieve what I want to. And my question is, how do you measure life? How do I measure my life? Is it by the false riches of this world, or is it by the true riches of the kingdom of God? If your heart follows after the riches of this world, it will become enslaved to materialism. But if it follows after the eternal riches of the kingdom of God, it will find and live in ultimate joy for eternity. That's why Jesus continues this passage by saying something that at first I found a bit irrelevant, but it actually makes a lot of sense. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Jesus wants us to invest in eternity. Jesus wants our hearts to be saved eternally. And the way we do this is through two things. First of all, we focus. Because said, if your eye is bad, you cannot see well. Because healthy vision produces a healthy heart. Healthy vision will produce a healthy heart. In Hebrews 12, we read about Jesus, who all his life had a purpose. He had his eyes fixed on something. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do this? Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, so Jesus had an end in mind, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't just live your life. Lead your life. Be intentional about how you live your life. Lead it. Don't just focus on the race. We hear this all the time. I want to encourage folks on the prize. Don't just focus on the race. Focus on the prize. Fix your eyes on your treasure and run the race with endurance. Don't look at what others do. Don't look behind. Don't listen to some voices that will pull you down. Be focused on the prize. Be focused on your treasure. And God will help you to get there. I realize that my life is being influenced by the people I spend time with and the context that I find myself in. What you listen to will also influence your life. What you hear around or what you let your mind think about and your ears listen to will influence your behavior, will influence your language and everything else. And this week, I think it was actually on Thursday as I was thinking, I realized something that actually scared me and it, sort of, it was a reality check for me as well. I realized that I live in a generation of young Christians 
where we are being fed or choose to be fed by YouTube more than we are fed by the Word of God. I live in this generation. I am doing these things at times. I discover that at times I listen more to preachers than, to, than reading the, the Word of God. I realize that at times I read more books than I read the Bible. And it's, it's not sinful, <laughs> but somehow it's not healthy. What if I invest even my time, what I read, what I listen to, in something that is eternal? And that is the Word of God. Because people will say stuff. Preachers have opinions. Books have their own worldviews. Read them. But what if you make the Bible the, the foundation of your Christian life? How much do we read? I met someone some months ago at a conference where we were discussing some strategic planning with Pastor Mark. And there was this young pastor, he's in mid-30s, and he started the church. So I was really excited speaking to him. So what, what stuff did you start with? How many people you brought in? With how many did you start? What apps do you have on your phone? I, I, I love watching what apps people have on their phones, especially Christian leaders, because I can uh, learn from them. But then I asked him, what books do you read? And he told me, I read the Bible. All right, you're a spiritual man, you know. But he actually said he has made a decision that he's going to read only the Bible. And it was, it's two years since he only reads the Bible. At least 10, 10 chapters a day. And it actually humbled me in that moment. Because I can be so driven by knowledge and accumulating all stuff that I forget the main point. That the word of God is eternal. And this really challenged me a lot. Being influenced is not a choice but you can choose what or who influences your life. It's not a choice, but something or someone is going to influence your life. And I want to encourage singleness of purpose, looking right at your treasure as opposed to having two views. That's what this text says. If you have a bad dial, let's say, and you look in two directions, you cannot actually walk in two directions. That's why you need to focus on what matters. A simple and persistent purpose to serve and please God in everything will make our character bright, and it will bring light to our lives. If you're aiming life, your, your aim in life will determine your character. What you look at, what you focus on, will, will shape your character. And if, your aim, if, you, if what you aim to win produces light, then your whole life and whole, your whole journey will be full of light as well. If your vision is full of light, your whole life will be full of light. And secondly, I want to speak about devotion to God alone. Why? To God alone. You cannot serve two masters. It's just what it is. Okay? You cannot. If our, out, if our outlook is to serve and glorify God, then there will be light within. You cannot serve what's temporary and hope to win eternity. Okay? You cannot love what's temporary and help, hope to embrace eternity. Because your heart will follow your treasure. Your heart will follow your treasure. And in conclusion, there are four things I want us all to think about and apply in our lives. First one, define or discover what or who your treasure is. What is your treasure? And then ask yourself the question, is this eternal or is it finite? Is it temporary or will it last forever? Start with the treasure. And only after that, you dedicate your heart to follow that treasure. Many times we focus on the heart before. But I want to encourage you to focus first on defining and discovering your treasure. It starts there. Because after that, your heart will naturally follow what you treasure. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The third point, devote your mind to serve that treasure. Devote your mind 
to serve, think about, meditate upon what your treasure is. You're doing it anyway. What I'm saying, choose a treasure that is eternal at least. Jesus says, guys, invest in eternity so you cannot lose it. And fourthly, depend on your master. Because at times we're weak, yes. At times we lose focus, yes. At times we stumble, yes. But God is there for us. And if I make him my treasure, he'll bring me in the right direction. He'll give me the grace to repent. God will do this for our lives. But it starts by understanding what your treasure is. And if God is my treasure, he'll also become my refuge. You cannot belong 100% to two masters. And it comes down to choosing one. And if you choose one, you have to deny or even despise the other one. You cannot serve God and something else. You cannot serve eternity and what is temporary. If we think about it, what we initially see as treasure will ultimately become our master. What, what starts by being something I enjoy and it's my treasure will actually become my master. What we start following, we will end up serving. What you start following, you will end up serving because your heart follows the treasure and then you'll serve it because you want that. It's part of you. I, I would like, honestly, and I would like that my mind will only be focused on eternal things, on God alone. I would actually love with Holy Spirit to take over my whole body, life, emotions, spiritual life, emotional life, and just control me. I would love that. But at times, I'm not there. But I know that I have devoted my life to follow my treasure, which is Jesus Christ. And when I stumble, He's there to help me. He's there to, to be there for me. Isaiah 42 says, I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known, along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. I will not forsake you. Hebrews 13.5 Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God's promise for us is that he'll be there for us. When you feel alone, he's there for us. If I look at my life, that has never left me alone. Even in times when I was running away from him, he's still there for me. But what if you start by choosing to invest everything you are, everything you have in something that is eternal, someone that is eternal, and that is Jesus Christ. Choose eternity, invest in eternity, and you will live in eternal joy, in ultimate eternal joy and peace. Trust the one who is eternal. And give everything you are to him. And he will be there for you, never forsaking you. God bless you.